The South Carolina Democrats come to the capital city for their annual convention and they hear from the gubernatorial candidates as well as Vice President Kamala Harris will break down what happened during their weekend here in Columbia. She's going to break down how South Carolina helped her presidential campaign. Also, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi got a big amen from, uh, yeah, there you go. A big amen from the RuPaul Drag Show candidates because she said that drag queens are what America is all about. Phoning John Adams for comment. We're waiting to hear back. And the boys and girls are back in town. If you hear a rumbling, it's their cars pulling into the parking lot below the state house. The legislature returns on Wednesday to discuss some big topics, including number one, budget that will include money back in your pocket, and number two, per life legislation that could be coming down out of the state house. All of that and more on the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. I am Justin Hall alongside Dave Wilson. Dave, we have a lot to get to, so we jump right in South Carolina Democrats had the Blue Palmetto Weekend. They used to call it the Jefferson Jackson Dinner. Mm, I did but, not know that. But we, they can't call it that anymore. No, they can't call it that anymore. So it's the Blue Palmetto Dinner. Um, unfortunately, I was completely out of the state. I literally <laughs> left the state to avoid it this weekend. Um, Braves are on 11-game win streak now. Anyway, they're... Democratic gubernatorial candidates had a little debate. Now, we didn't talk about this last week, but uh, there was a bit of a Twitter spat. Not, there was between, more, there not was, between Joe and Mia, but between Mia and minority leader Todd Rutherford. That really got kind of dirty, nasty real quick. And yes, it did. It, in the Twitterverse that exists out there, uh, it was a... a a cat fight, so to speak, between gubernatorial candidate Senator Mia McLeod and Representative Todd Rutherford, both of them from Richland County. Rutherford had just endorsed Representative Joe Cunningham in his run for the gubernatorial yes. race on the Democratic side against McLeod, and it then turned into a real cat fight on Twitter. Yeah, it turned very personal very quickly, and this is not Days of Our Lives, nor is it General Hospital, nor is it As the World Turns. But it does feel like uh, Columbia 29201 sure. instead of 90210. That's but yes. true. That's true. We won't get into the mudslinging because, well, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter anyway. So let's get into what these candidates talked about on Friday night because the people have been waiting for this, y'all. And this is what I said. I said this last week. The Democratic Party scared to death. Scared to death of me and McLeod. She got the chance to to make her stake and stake her claim to the Democrat nomination for governor. And when they talked about gas prices and, you know, the gas taxes is being raised now, right. it'll be it'll be 28 <clears throat> cents. Now, it's going about a cent or two on July 1, and so that's going to take effect soon. They were asked the question on whether they would suspend the gas tax. We have multiple clips to play for you today. This is not one of them. I'm just going to tell you. Senator McLeod's answer was that we should have gas rebates. So the answer is not to get rid of the gas tax. But to give you money back in a check form from the government. Yes. Because the government needs to be giving you money. Here's the theme Instead of the, of the night. government taking money from you, it should be giving money to you. Or both. Okay. Or okay, both. Just we'll, sure. just give you right. we'll give you substantially less than we take. Uh, theme of the night, every problem we have can be solved by more government. That's not a conservative talking point. That's actually what was being said on the debate stage with SCE TV. Again, we'll have the because link so many of you, we, it, you were probably watching that about as religiously as you were watching the January sixth oh, hearings. Yeah, no question. But 
No there, there may have been a few fewer voters for that. I mean, viewers than there were for the January 6th hearing. Maybe. Which had been the night before, but... We follow up one after the other. It's always go. good to have a lineup throughout the week. Joe Cunningham did have a very interesting uh, lob here. He, he, he lobbed a shot at Governor McMaster, and we'll play that for you right now. Here on your screen, here's what Representative Joe Cunningham, who, former congressman, said about the governor of the state of South Carolina. People deserve a living wage. The ability to be able to work with dignity, an opportunity to create generational wealth. And so many people in South Carolina just are not getting that right now because we have a governor who's focused on bringing in jobs that are more low wage jobs. You know, we need to be focused more on not so much the hourly jobs, but the salary jobs, the good jobs, the ones that provide a good salary and benefits, healthcare, 401k. Um. Really quickly, Mr. Representative, one-term congressman. Um, Who does claim the fact that he did flip a seat. He flipped a seat, <clears> but then that it was got immediately flipped right back, back on, on him. him. Uh, Volvo, Samsung. Just the, the major tire manufacturers in South Carolina. Yes. We're yes. no longer a textile state. No. South Carolina had been a textile state. For those of you who need a little bit of background on a few things that we're going to be discussing today, mm -hmm. South Carolina was a very strong textile state. And because of that, when those jobs moved offshore, uh, South Carolina hit a, a lull in the manufacturing side. But if it flies, if it drives, if it rolls, if it floats, we make it in South Carolina. We are a yeah. very transportation-heavy state. We have BMW. We have Volvo. We have four of the major tire manufacturers. We have the Lockheed Martin F-16s, <clears throat> F-15s, and we have Boeing in the entire 787 production plant that was moved from the West Coast to Charleston, where we have a strong business environment. His district. And on top of all of that... These are strong hourly waged employees. The average manufacturing wage in South Carolina is not the minimum wage. As many different ways as they possibly tried to say it, Justin, it just doesn't play itself out. Right. And it's very ironic that you have Joe Cunningham, who in this segment of the debate says that we have low paying jobs, but just a little while later in the debate, Senator Mia McLeod talks about the high-paying jobs that are in South Carolina that aren't being filled by South Carolinians. I yeah. guess because we, well, we can't fill them for it, some reason. And, and I'm going to say this, and I hope you understand, if not for double standards, liberals wouldn't have standards at all. Okay, It's, it's double-speak the entire time. If you watch this with an ear of trying to understand, you won't. Your brain will turn to mush, and then you can be elected the President of the United States. We move on to crime. And, oh, by the way, by the way, there were three candidates. You had Senator Mia McLeod, State Senator Mia McLeod, former con Congressman Joe Cunningham, and then you had Carlton Boyd of Darlington. I will actually say in listening to the debate, with the exception of a couple of issues, Carlton Boyd would probably make a very good Democratic House candidate. Yeah. He had some very strong points. As a matter of fact, there were a couple of places as we were doing show prep today where it was like, that almost sounds like a conservative standpoint and, and mm -hmm. until the life issue, but that's a whole other thing for another day. Life and transgenderism. Right. Yeah. And yet at the same time, I think he was one of the few people who cut past 
the 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 short clip talking points. Yes, he did. And actually started talking about some issues, which is unfortunate because in this particular race, though, there are five people on the ballot. They only heard from three on SCETV. And I really felt like he got the short end of the stick way too often in yeah. the debate time. He he was like a dog getting thrown a bone. Um, he was interrupted quite a bit. I feel like his time ran qu- out quicker than every other candidate and, and, in, in the interruption. And I think that that's a place where, you know, having been a former journalist or being a former journalist, I can tell you right now, it is way too easy to be dismissive of certain people simply because they don't meet certain criteria that right. in your mind you need to be able to have. I mean, people didn't give Joe Cunningham the time of day. Four years ago, right. when he was running for a congressional seat, right. then all of a sudden, boom, he ends up winning, and then all of a sudden, now he's the poster child for the Democratic Party in South Carolina with his pen, which we'll talk about the pen in just <laughs> a few minutes. Pen. But there are many different issues that were coming out that were part of the debate. The next one was the issue of crime, and the fact that we've got to be able to do something about crime in South Carolina. And right. and it was very interesting some of the things that they came back with crime. Uh, Representative Cunningham said that we've had 10 mass shootings this year in South Carolina based on his math that says we average about two per month. Um, I feel like the threshold for mass shootings are low, um, just in terms of the data. Um, it's It seems strange to me that we're talking about this. Mia McLeod says that we should invest more in prisons, that we invest more, pardon me, in prisons than we do education. Uh, that is... That is such a fact checker moment right there because while we do spend money on our prison system, and you know, I give a lot of credit to Department of Corrections Director Brian Sterling, he does a phenomenal job. As a matter of fact, if you have not seen our series on recidivism and the fact that South Carolina has one of the lowest return rates of prisoners yep. back into the incarceration system, then you need to check that out. On You can do that on the Palmetto Family app, or you can also check that out on our YouTube page, where it actually breaks it down and says because of the fact that you have faith involvement going into the prisons, it actually is reducing the number of people who are in prisons. And we've reduced the prison population in South Carolina on top of the fact that the number one line item in the state budget is the education system, it always has been. And that is just an outright lie by Senator Mia McLeod to say that we spend more on incarceration than we do on education. Well, and I think, secondly, they went after the education system quite a bit. I would argue that the, that the pseudo-teacher unions in the state have a lot riding on this, on this race. I, I, they just do, it seems. Um, the fact that we're last in education, I don't believe has as much to do with how much teachers make as opposed to the environment in which the kids are learning. I feel like there's a distinct difference there. And and, and, and crime, they related back to education and how things are going in the classroom, which I can understand. But instead of discussing how we break the patterns, we're talking about throwing more money at the problem. And again, I, I had that in my thought the whole time, that thought in my head the whole time of, well, actually, our prison recidivism rate is extremely low compared to the national average. I would encourage, if you're watching this, Representative Cunningham and Senator Mia McLeod, if you're watching, I hope you are, um, take a look at our docuseries on we'll recidivism. Pro- we'll, we'll provide a link 
in the description yeah. so you can actually view all five parts of the series that actually talk about how the gospel does change everything and how the impact of the faith community going into our prisons has made a huge impact on the recidivism rate in our crime stats and, and the prison system here in South Carolina. The faith community that your legislation would uh, deeply chide against when it comes to the hate crimes bill. But I will say this, you know, and, and I know we're getting ready to go on to the issue of guns in just a moment, but that is a place where when it came to education, I will give to Carlton Boyd. You know, he said, you know, I'm going to, this sounds kind of crazy, but at the same time, I think we need to require first aid at education for kids because in the midst of a gun, you know, the, the, the gun battles that are out there that they're, they're wanting to do, people, kids need to know simple first aid. And I'm going, this just is, this is one of those, hey, this kind of makes like a common sense mm -hmm. idea here. Again, Carlton Boyd, if you're watching, I think you would make a phenomenal a candidate for a South Carolina House seat on the Democratic side if you wanted to be able to do that. I think that's, I think that's his next step. He's from Darlington. Keep that in mind. We move on really quickly. We're going to jump to guns. The next thing they talked about was inclusivity. So they went from crime to inclusivity, then to guns. Interesting. We're going to go to guns really quick. Um, I love this. Representative Cunningham said, we need to do something because this governor's doing nothing. Okay, what's something, bud? Help me out. What is something? That's I, that's what kills me about what's going on in Congress right now. We have to do something. We have to do something. Take a breather. Take a step back and figure out what works and what doesn't. Don't just do something because you feel the emotional need to do something. My favorite thing, now me and McLeod plans to do something. Quoting, quoting here. Excuse me, real quick. Just want to read this, get it right. Semi-automatic weapons should not be held by civilians. That means that... I own a semi-automatic pistol. Nine millimeter? Yep. Okay. Wouldn't be allowed to have it. 380? Because semi-automatic weapons should not be allowed. Now, understand, this isn't, you know, I think within the conservative ranks, there are different views on guns. Right. Here's my view. People who've never held a gun shouldn't talk about guns. It, if you absolutely think that a semi-automatic is the same as a machine gun, we have a problem. But the problem that we have right now is an uneducated political populace that does not understand, but instead is trying to feed into a fury that says, well, we need to take away, we need to do something. We need to take away the guns because semi-automatic guns are the ones that are killing people. And the reality is, I know thousands of people in South Carolina carry semi-automatic weapons with them on a daily basis. On their hip. Right. Because that's part of a simple pistol. Yeah. A Ruger, a Taurus, you name the you name Smith the brand. Smith and Wesson. Smith and Wesson. The fact is we've got legislators who do not understand the education that that's has to go into and educators too. <laughs> they go into understanding the Second Amendment guns, what kind of guns there are. It's just talking points to them. You had the President of the United States said a 9 millimeter bullet can blow someone's lung out. Like the sheer I'm going to say ignorance of the issue. I could go lack harsher. of Ignorance being the lack of knowledge. Yes. Lack of knowledge or just pure blind stupidity. It's one of the two that drive people to this Delusion. And we'll get into delusion later with Speaker Pelosi. Let's go back really quick to inclusivity. I know we're trying to get through this here. 
Because it was an hour-long debate. It was an hour and, long. And, and you can watch it speed and a half, and it goes a little bit faster. You go on YouTube, you can watch it on two-speed, and you'll still get the idea. Uh, Senator McLeod wants equity and inclusion. That's the way to get things done. My favorite part. Now, I thought he said the governor needs to represent the people. That's not what he said. Reflect the people. Reflect the people. Right. Representative Cunningham said that, the Congressman Cunningham said that, um, the government needs to represent the people. So he's for, he promises a more diverse cabinet uh, as, now again, really quick, help me out. Yeah. Governor doesn't appoint the superintendent of education, does he? As a matter of fact, in South Carolina, we voted that down 60 to 40 okay. several does years he, ago. Does he appoint the agriculture commissioner? Uh, no, we still elect that person right now, too. Attorney general? No, we elect that person, too. Okay, cool. So but I wait, can't wait, wait he to figure he does, out. He does, he does. Select the adjutant general. Ooh, okay, cool. Over the South Carolina guard. So the adjutant general could be a whatever he wants him to be. Again, right. because at the end of the day, it's not about how well you do the job; it's how you look. They didn't discuss. Don't talk about the White House press secretary. Though. Sorry, my bad. My bad. So my my apologies, Kareen. Um, hopefully, that doesn't stop you from lying today. Uh, we move on in the debate to the topic of abortion. We knew we'd get to it, and here we are. Here what Joe Cunningham said about abortion. I'll tell you what I could do. I could use my veto pen to veto legislation that tries to rip away a woman's right. And the fact is that I trust women to make their own health care decisions. And if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned, which it seems like it is, then Governor McMaster has told everyone that he wants to ban all abortions and have no exceptions for rape, incest, or life of the mother. That's the reality here. And we're on the verge as a state. of We're poised for our daughters to have fewer rights than their mothers and their grandmothers. Those rights are slipping through our very own fingers. And the only thing that can stop that is my veto pen. That is why the stakes of this election are so, so high for every South Carolinian and for the future generations as well, to allow women to make their own decisions. I'd like to take my pen and rewrite your talking points, Joe, to actually make them true. Uh, I, I could, I, I'll let you have your argument, but why don't we actually speak some truth here in this particular case? Dave because, Wilson is about to speak truth to power. Uh, because that would be, I can't talk to Joe Cunningham right now. But anyway, right. in that particular case, it is time for us to actually get to a very simple point. It really boils down to this. Democrats want abortion to be full and legal with zero exceptions. They want abortion to be fully legal with no hindrances. As a matter of fact, they're, they're working right now to come up with new ways to get around this because the whole argument of it's a woman's right to choose, it's her body, the Supreme Court is about to make it abundantly clear that this argument is going to go back to the states, most likely in the next few days, with the Dobbs decision, as we've talked about before, plenty of times before. The Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs is going to throw everything back to the states, and the states are going to have to make this argument. Thus, the reason why you have Joe Cunningham saying that he will use the power of the veto pen or... You go to Carlton Boyd, who basically says, we'll just do everything by executive order. 
Forget the democratic process. Forget the fact that we actually have legislative control over the issues that go on. And we want to have the input of the legislative branch. Just turn around and make an executive order in South Carolina because that will fix the problem. Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite. Joe Cunningham says that the governor, well, and I'm not, a, I'm not a spokesperson for the governor. I'm not. So understand, I'm not speaking for the governor's office. I can't find anywhere where he said he wants abortion full scale with no protections for people who have dealt with rape, incest, or dealing with life of the mother. He said he wants more stringent restrictions on abortion. He believes that should happen. But he, I, I don't, unless Joe has a bug in the governor's office, I haven't heard it. I haven't heard that either. And and I think to stand up there and say that to an audience that you know doesn't like the governor, it seems to, it seems the, to me is that throwing blue meat. Yes, it seems okay. to me that, that that that's a bit um, inappropriate. Now, <laughs> I've already closed the window, so we're not going to play it. But Senator McCloud, <laughs> Senator McCloud committed a very grave sin. She assumed the gender of her two opponents when she said on this issue that she's the only person on the stage with a uterus. How do you know? Because uh, that that's gender fluidity. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, she's the only candidate with a uterus. Therefore, she's the only candidate who can understand this issue. Again, I want to make sure we make the point that in 1972, the Roe v. Wade decision was drafted by nine white men. And... I don't know. It seems to me that something that is wrong can still be wrong, even if I'm a male. Um, I don't know. Killing children just seems to be wrong, no matter what race or gender you are. Any of the 72 at this point. I still go back to the fact that, you know, Joe Cunningham wanted to talk about women's rights, women's rights, women's rights. Well, there were 5,400 children that were aborted in South Carolina last year. Mm -hmm. Mathematically, that's 2,700 of them are most likely female, which they have no rights given to them. Yeah. He says we're going to live in a world, we're moving rapidly toward a world where our where our, where our daughters are going to have less rights than their mothers. And uh, Representative, just, just very calmly, in order for them to have rights, they've got to be born. That's right. According to, your, according to yours. Now, I will say this, they have right to life before they're born, but for them to have the less rights that you say, they're going to have to be born first. Right. That's just, we're going to wrap up this conversation because we're giving these people way more time than they deserve. I, I think we've spent more time discussing their discussions than they actually have all said themselves. Um, bipartisan cooperation. Senator McLeod says she's a people person. And Senator, Cun or <laughs> Senator Cunningham, Congressman Joe Cunningham, said basically, I'm just spark notes, um, in case you're old enough to know what that is. Cliff notes for those of you who are a little bit older. If I don't win, basically the state's going to burn. We're already bad, man. It is terrible. Really? We are terrible in education. Wait, wait, wait. We're terrible in crime. Did, wait, wait, wait. Did Stacey Abrams not say that about Georgia as well? Georgia's a terrible place to live. That's why I want to be governor. Yeah. By the way, I was in Georgia this weekend. Wonderful city of Atlanta and Buckhead. Yes, it was yes. great. Georgia's great. How was the game? Game was great. Concert? Concert was Concert was phenomenal. You know they have a big stadium in Georgia. Really? Yeah, where a businessman built a stadium for his football team. It brings in millions of dollars, and oh, wow, and it's it's really nice. And you know what's crazy is that state's run by a 
Republican. And so it's, but it's a terrible it's, state. It's a terrible state. This one's also really bad because we're bringing in low-paying jobs, but also we have all the high-paying high paying jobs, jobs that the South Carolinians aren't filling. The last thing they talked about was the, um, I'm quoting here, the transgender and sports bill. I call it the Save Women's Sports Bill. It depends on your view. Mia McLeod says that the Save Women's Sports Bill was senseless and discriminatory, and she... Did she would pull out veto. A she didn't pull out the pen. Oh. But she said she would veto any bill that discriminates anyone for any reason. And that's why she would veto the hate crimes bill. Did she? No, she didn't say I that. I was about to I say. I added the last part. You know, I, 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 she fought against it in this, on the Senate floor. Yes, she did. She said the, she did. And and when we look at it, I this is where the, the intersectionality issue really comes into play. So mm-hmm. we hear the phrase LGBTQIA plus whatever. Okay, let's talk about the I for a second because the I is intersectionality. For you at home, as you're listening to this, as you're on your drive-in, understand that when you begin to create a big tent and you're lumping in gay rights, women's rights, trans rights, intersectionality rights, those are going to naturally be in conflict Mm -hmm. with each other because it becomes the question of who is a woman. Now, Mia McLeod admitted that she was the only candidate on the stage with a uterus, her words. We can assume. And because of that, she can speak on women's issues. She is African-American. She can speak from an African-American's perspective. As a matter of fact, she was two, one of two African-Americans who were on the stage. But she was an African-American woman. Right, which gave her more credence yes. than, gave, than given to Carlton Boyd. She's a state senator. Therefore, in the media, she gets more credence than a guy who is just running for office in Darlington. Yep. But when we begin to look at this, the transgender rights and the women's rights are now in conflict. This is where you have Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, whatever the Jenner person is now, saying not, not having support for transgenders in sports with women. Jenner was very clear about that in, in coming out against anything that would... would cut back on what Title IX has done in women's sports over the last 50 years Mm -hmm. to create a level playing field in which women are competing against women and men are competing against men. The law that was signed by Governor McMaster and is the law of the land in South Carolina basically says this. We're going to have the distinction. The only exception to that is if there is a women's sport or women's sport does not exist where a men's sport does, and a woman wants to be able to play in that. For right. example, football. football. Girl says she wants to go out for the football team. There is no female football team. She has the ability to be able to go out and try out for the football team. And, on the, and in the world of meritocracy that is the sports industry, if she's good enough, she'd make the team. Joe Cunningham said on this that Henry McMaster, Governor McMaster is, quote, quote, what a big man to take on little kids, end quote. Well, if they're little kids and they deserve protection, Congressman. We're just saying. Again, um, I'm going to assume you're the candidate for governor. When that happens, there's a seat right over here. We welcome you anytime. Would love to have you join us and have these conversations. We move on. By the way, Carlton Boyd 
in that section said that he believes that girls should play in girls' sports and boys should play in boys' sports. What we a move novel on. concept. We move on to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. We'll get to Vice President Harris in just a second. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, this is from her Twitter page. She went on RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, here's the tweet. <laughs> it's called it the Drag Race? Honor, wow. Yes. Well, they have to make it sound manly. It oh, was okay. an honor to make an appearance on Episode 5 of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 7 this week. I was inspired by the contestants because they know their power. Their freedom of expression is what America is all about. Here is the appearance of the Speaker of the House. Let's go to the Honorable Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Please give a warm drag race welcome to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Welcome back. My honor to be here to say to all of you how proud we all are of you. Thank you for the joy and beauty you bring to the world. Aww. Your freedom of expression of yourselves in drag is what America is all about. I say that all the time to my friends in drag. <laughs> <laughs> now, Speaker Pelosi, with all the challenges facing our nation, what words of wisdom do you have for us? Well, the single most important thing I can say is to vote. With the midterm elections coming up, it's very important for people to make their voices and their vote heard. Well, thank you so much for the work you've done and the work you continue to do tirelessly for our freedom. Your tenacity is something that we all look up to. We throw the word master class around here all the time, but that sarcastic, shady clap you do was <laughs> epic. It was completely unintentional. <laughs> we have prayers in our hearts to keep you strong. Well, thank you for that. May God bless America. Can I get a, an amen? Amen! <laughs> thank you, Madam Speaker! <laughs> What? Uh, John Adams once said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. It really is interesting when you have a viewpoint spelled out in the word of God that you then go counter to and you're asking for God's blessing. Yeah, I tweeted this. I saw this this weekend and I just simply tweeted, who are they praying to? That's a great question. Who's, who's, what's the amen of agreement? In what world? Like, again, I'm just, I'm just asking the question, what major world religion abuse this is okay? Well, it, I guess beyond the Christian viewpoint, well, what about the Jewish? The this is the Muslim completely anti-Muslim. Yeah, that is completely against the Quran, and yet I don't see anything where there are certain people who want to turn around and, and throw shade, so to speak, on this particular issue, or on people who actually share a worldview mm -hmm. very similar to what we talk about here on the air all the time—a mm -hmm. a conservative worldview. But we're considered to be haters. Well, I, you know, yeah. I just, 
what can we do? RuPaul, he asked the question, what can we do? And Nancy's first, the only thing she said was vote. Now, one half of 1%, I would probably put it at, claim to be transgender in the United States. Every one of them could vote. Wouldn't really change the tide of an election, I don't think. But here's the point. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, and I say their names because Joe's the president, Chuck's the Senate Majority Leader, and she's the Speaker of the House. Every single one of them knows what's about to happen. Every single one of them. It is getting ready to be a Republican avalanche. It's, it's going to be, for Democrats, it's going to be very bad because their president's underwater and not just on a Jimmy Kimmel appearance. He, his approval rating in his own party is bad. They don't want him to run. Who do you run in his stead in 24? On top of the fact that you're about to have a super you're close to having a super We're talking about possibly historic levels of majority for Republicans in the House of Representatives after November. Like 1800s level majority. I'm reading a book about Abraham Lincoln right now and to see the makeup of the country then. Right. You're talking about that same kind of makeup soon. Not only that, you're probably going to lose the Senate too, which puts your government in gridlock if you're a Democrat. And you're not going to be able to get anything done. What are you doing in 2024? These people know what's coming. They know they know what's about to happen. So instead of trying to come to some reasoning and bipartisanship and, hey, let's work together to make the country better, instead, inflation is still trans. It's not transitory anymore. We're just going to have to deal with it now. Um, if you hate high gas prices, you just get an electric car. And, and if you don't support me, you're an insurrectionist. And... Drag queens are what America's all about, apparently. Um, I miss very, that. Is this not very similar to what Vice President Kamala Harris kind of spelled out in her speech she in, did. in Columbia she did. on Friday night with the Democratic Party's annual convention meeting? Kamala was in town. She spoke to members here. I'm looking at a Post and Courier piece by our friend over there at the Post, Nick Reynolds. Speaking to Democrats, here's what's funny. It said that the Palmetto State was a critical component of her run for president. She lost here. She got, she didn't make it out of the primaries. She didn't. She actually, in South Carolina politics, we say this all the time. You cannot get to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue without coming through South Carolina. And that took and and look, Joe Biden, South Carolina saved him. Right, because Jim Clyburn saved. There, there are there are early primary states. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada are the four early primary states. South Carolina is the first in the South. Inevitably, for the last 20, 30 years, whoever wins in South Carolina has gone on to win the nomination, with the exception of Newt Gingrich, who was the Correct. guy who lived next door, uh, and, and Mitt Romney couldn't win South Carolina. He still couldn't. I heard him speak about being from the South when I was in D.C. He still couldn't win South Carolina. So in that particular case, then you begin to look at this and you go, in South Carolina, politically, we expect you to show up. We expect you to come to to be face-to-face with us because it's that kind of retail politics. And yet a third of presidential candidates get chewed up and spit out and they don't make it past South Carolina. One of those was Kamala 
Harris. Yes. She said, I know who you are, and I know what you stand for, and it ain't you, lady. Um, And this fall, we need you once again to show the nation that South Carolina Democrats know how to do it. Um, She continued. Lose? I guess. Okay. She addressed issues like rising inflation and high prices at the gas pump. Which wait, wait, she, wait. Aren't those directly related to their policies? Which she blamed on pinched supply chain and Putin's war in Ukraine. We have a supply chain problem because we can't drill off the American coast and we've started shutting down our abilities to drill in other areas, correct? Correct. Okay, which was a Biden-era policy which has naturally jacked up the price of gas. Oh, just wanted to double check. Harris talked about the economic recovery of the nation after COVID and the swift rollout of their administration's vaccination program. You know, the thing that was already happening and they just jumped in front of the parade and took credit for. But she also touted legislation under the Biden, under Biden, that delivered more money to historically black colleges and universities. Didn't the other president before him do that? Actually, as a matter of fact, he w- he went to a predominantly uh, an HBCU, historically black college and university, to roll out... Uh, a new expansion program for HBCUs. Initiatives for black farmers to keep their land amid shrinking profit margins, federal bans on chokeholds by police, and enhanced penalties for lynching. Because lynching still happens here at a wide rate. And she touted delivering the first black female justice in the history of the U.S. Supreme Court. How dare she assume she's a female? Katanji Brown Jackson. Katanji Brown Jackson can't, can't define what woman. a woman is. Doesn't even okay. matter. Okay. Uh, quote, Joe... <laughs> Joe asked me to pass on a message. That's my Kamala. And the messages from both of us is, South Carolina, we see you. We see how the power of South Carolina Democrats is felt all over our nation. Mainly because Jamie Harrison runs the Democratic Party now. We heard you. And Joe, it took South Carolina for Joe to actually gain momentum and become president. We heard you when you told us about the issues that matter to you most. We heard you. Like a gas tank is really expensive to fill up? Okay. Uh, not one Republican voted to rescue our nation in the middle of the pandemic. What? Hmm? Not one Republican voted to extend the child tax credit, which lifted up to 40% of Americans out of poverty. No one Republican voted to protect women and keep their health decisions private. Not one voted to protect our most fundamental rights, the right to vote. That's why you're the vice president, lady, because people voted for you. Beyond my wildest imaginations, they voted for you. 81 million people looked at a ballot with your name on it and thought you were the right choice. Whether they were right or wrong, they were wrong. They voted for you. It's the right to vote. Rather than help people, Harris said, quote, Republicans allow an epidemic of hate to accelerate that will sin- that than rather to sincerely heal the country. And she criticized Republicans for failing to sufficiently denounce the January 6th insurrection. It was not just an assault on a building. It was an assault on the institution's values and ideals that generations of Americans had marched and shed blood to demand. We will not let arsonists set fire to our democracy, but we will let arsonists set fire to federal buildings in Oregon. We will allow arsonists to set fire to police cars. We will let arsonists set fire to police buildings. And then we will start a GoFundMe to pay to bail them out. Wait. She did that. That's what she did. She did that. As a candidate... In 2016. In 2020. 2020, I mean. In 2020, that's what she was doing. She was pushing for a GoFundMe to be able to pay for the legal bills for those who were arrested for doing these things. And again, we can talk about the fact that the that the numbskulls who walked into the Capitol, 
you know, stupid people do stupid things. Uh, whatever. Armed insurrection. Sorry, can't get behind that idea. It, an insurrection is the worst insurrection possible when in the span of about three hours, the Congress comes back in and then does the job. Right. That, I'm just I'm just saying that that's not it a it was not a very effective insurrection no. when all of a sudden the votes were certified and Joe Biden becomes the next president of the United right. States. Right. Now, we can we're not we haven't even gotten into the January 6 hearings if you I don't really want to. And 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 the thing about it is we're we're dealing in a situation where yeah, there were some there were some stupid things that were done. Mm. You shouldn't be breaking windows on any building. You talked about things that got firebombed. Our colleagues in Wisconsin got their offices firebombed because they're pro-life. You had a, a crisis pregnancy center that got firebombed in New York. Yep. I am very concerned, and in speaking with some folks in, in the security industry over the weekend uh, down in Charleston, it, it was brought up how important it's going to be for our local pregnancy care centers or crisis pregnancy centers to have the protection that they need. There are 24, 26 crisis pregnancy centers across South Carolina. And the question that came up in a discussion that I had is, are they secure and are they safe? Because we are in a time period right now where when the Dobbs decision comes down, if it does overturn Roe versus Wade, that they are expecting violence. Epic violence is possible. So again, the vice president was here. Congratulations to her. Hope it she did block traffic going years. into downtown Columbia on Friday oh, night. I'm sure it did. I got stuck on the bridge. That's terrible. It was. I I'm just saying. I was watching a baseball game and I actually forgot that she was even in Columbia. Oh really? Did they win? Very forgettable. The Braves didn't win. Okay. They ha the Braves have more wins in a <clears throat> row right now than the Biden administration has wins in their presidency. <laughs> um, the legislature. <laughs> that's eleven straight wins as of this recording. The legislature is coming back to town on Wednesday as we wrap up this lengthy edition. Thank you for tuning in. Yes, we had a lot to talk about today because it was it's a, a Monday. Long, it was Monday. It's and a Monday. This is a long. It was a long weekend of stuff. Yeah. So the legislature. The legislature is coming back over the weekend. We did note that the uh, the conference committee on the budget has passed out a conference committee, a new budget for South Carolina that includes a tax rebate that's going to go into your pocket. A billion-dollar tax rebate. That will One be divvied up. One billion dollars that will be divvied up. The You're not getting a billion. It'll be divvied up. Right. But the other part about it was they started cutting the tax rate in South Carolina. They dropped it by a half point to 6.5% according to, the, to that, and it will continue to, as revenues continue, that number will continue to go down. Which is, is interesting. The, because is it the lowest in the, in the Southeast? It's not there yet, but we're, we're, making, we're making step-by-step -step progress for that to be able to move forward. And and I would like to ask the Democratic candidates for governor that we were talking about earlier on this episode how they feel about the tax cut because this was passed by a Republican majority House, a Republican majority Senate, and it would was you pushed by a Republican governor. Would you use your veto pen, pen to sign it? Or does this only cut taxes for the richest of the rich? Actually, from what I understand, you know, it looks like every taxpayer in South Carolina yeah. is going to get part of that billion dollar rebate. I think the maximum that they said is a is a maximum of eight hundred dollars. Yeah. What's interesting is um, the top tax bracket in the state covers ninety percent of right. the citizens. So keep in mind our, our South Carolina tax rate is actually a, quite antiquated in the way that yeah. it's built because it was actually built uh, not based upon a percentage of income, but actually a dollar figure when it was done back, I believe, in the 70s when making $4,000 a year 
was a considerable amount of money back in the early to mid seventies. Uh, $4,000 a month will barely make your payments that you have to have on your car and your house, especially with inflation nowadays. Mm-hmm. The other thing to keep in mind, and, and this is a discussion that's going to be coming up, this is the largest budget that our state has actually passed. Mm-hmm. Historically, it is not. Because when you start comparing this, and we can, we'll can, we have a further discussion on this in other podcasts, when you compare this to other numbers, uh, go back to like 1980 figures, and you factor in inflation and everything else, this is a standard budget. And you're getting money back off of it because South Carolina is bringing in more tax revenue because of the policies that we have. I had the privilege of being and speaking to uh, the Charleston meeting in uh, in Charleston Thursday night, and then had a meet and greet with some great folks on Friday morning down on the coast. And it was interesting because of the folks who were at the the meeting that we had on Friday morning. Three of the families had moved to South Carolina, two from California, one from Massachusetts, and they had moved here because of not only the quality of life, not only the the beauty of being in South Carolina, but because we had conservative policies. And they were like, we're tired of being conservatives in liberal states who are restricting our rights and our abilities. So when Governor McMaster says it's the people, the people, the people, it's true because it's also, though, it's the quality of life. Mm-hmm. It's the, the places that we live. And it's the fact that we've got policies that people want. So if you have moved here from another state, if you've moved here from a liberal state, please, by all means, vote conservative because that's one of the reasons that you are here. Correct. The legislature is going to come back on Wednesday, and one of the things they're going to take up, that ad hoc committee is going to start looking at new pro-life legislation in the light in light of the Dobbs decision that could be coming down as early as this week, could be as late as the end of June. We're not sure yet, but we're waiting on pins and needles to hear it. And then we'll also confirm what we know is coming. Right. And then we'll also have, there's also a de- debate on the, or the final version of the conference committee on the MEDS Act, which actually protects the medical rights of conscience for medical and health professionals, as well as counselors. As you recall, we had a discussion about this uh, about this time last year when the city of Columbia put out an ordinance that made it illegal for Christian counselors to present a biblical worldview to youth who were dealing with gender identity and, and dysphoria issues, who were brought to a Christian counselor by their parents. And this is one of those places where the MEDS Act will actually protect the rights of medical and counseling professionals in South Carolina. That is expected to get cleared through the conference committee and get to the governor's desk this week. So the fun returns. We've had a couple weeks off from session, but the fun returns. And and the kids are going to play in the sandbox for a little while over the summer in the sweltering South Carolina heat. And usually in the South Carolina heat, people get a little agitated. Testy? Testy, quicker than others. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Again, man, it's time to vote. Uh, it's primary day on Tuesday, so make sure to make sure to get out and vote if you haven't already. Exercise your constitutional right to vote. Uh, that is how you can affect change in your state and specifically in your town, your district, county, whatever elections you have going on. I know my county, we have county council. In our county, we have county council there, runoffs. There uh, are primaries there, this week. there are significant. The city of Charleston. 
the the Charleston School Board has going to go from at-large seats to single-member district seats. That is going to change the face of education and 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 the decisions that are being made at the board level in Charleston County. That is significant. Mm-hmm. And as you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on on Monday or Tuesday, get out to vote. It is imperative that you let your voice be heard. You have to because the government closest to you affects you the most. Again, a lot to cover on this Monday edition. We appreciate you tuning in. This might be a bit of a preview day, but what we're going to be doing in the coming weeks when it comes to multiple podcasts a week, you'll be able to watch it here live on our app or website. Stay tuned for that. But again, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and watch this edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina for Mitch Prosser, who is well playing hooky and on vacation. And Dave Wilson and the rest of our staff at Palmetto Family. I am Justin Hall. We will see you later this week.